Um, let me go ahead and do a few jokes. For those of you who have never heard me speak before, I like to start with a few jokes. And these are better. They're puns. You can groan. Please groan. When chickens communicate, do they use foul lang language? <laughs> I went to the beekeepers to get 12 bees. 12. He counted and he gave me 13. Sir, you gave me an extra, I said. He said, that's a freebie. <laughs> I just saw a car being driven by a sheep in a swimsuit. It was a lamb bikini. Thank you. Two more. I got my friend a telepathic abacus. Does everybody know what an abacus is? Yes. It's the thought that counts. My friend Jack claims he can communicate with vegetables. Jack and the beans talk. <laughs> okay, all done. <laughs> I got them all by myself and I didn't need Robert's help. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> wow, I don't think anybody ever clapped before. <sighs> uh, how to start? This is not a different message. I think it's part of my life message. Um, for, for Miko, the title is, Father Asks, Do I Have Your Heart? And uh, I'm going to start by reading a journal entry when I was having a time with the Lord. And he said a whole bunch of really nice stuff and then he tacked on this sentence at the very end. I'm really popping. Is that okay? Okay. I'm going to probably need my glasses. Trying to wear glasses and wear this microphone over your ear when it doesn't want to stay on is really challenging. So I was journaling. This was uh, the beginning of July. Lori, you are especially attentive tonight. Your spirit glows like a star. Ooh. I see the determination to accomplish and press forward into more. I want to tell you I am not disappointed in you or in your performance. My question will always be, do I have your heart? You know, I, I read all of that back to myself after I had journaled. And the first part I was like, oh yeah, that sounds really, really good. I totally forgot that last question. I skipped right over it. I didn't go back until a month later. How do you know that, how many of you know that when God asks a question, he doesn't really need an answer? He already knows the answer. So he's asking me this question because I need to think about it. I need to even ask him about it. So then about a month later, I decide to journal on it again. Let me see if I can find it. This is just me being real, okay? So I know we all struggle with those times where it feels like we're in the desert a little bit and we're in the weeds a little bit. Anybody else ever struggle with Okay, good. <laughs> I confess my challenge, Papa, of pressing into your presence, of taking the time to spend time with you. Um, 
of binging on Netflix and watching show after show at night. And this speaks to your question of me, do I have your heart? And my answer is, not all the time. How do I fix this and what do I do? And he answered at that point, he said to consecrate, set apart yourself, not just your time, but your self. In, uh, just in the internet I was looking for, okay, so what's the definition of actually consecrate? The definition is to make or declare sacred, dedicate formally to a religious or divine purpose. In the Bible, to consecrate is to set apart, to declare as sacred or holy, or to dedicate to God for service. Now, I think sanctify and consecrate are very similar. Sanctify is also to set apart, but I'm going to just put my own definition on it because he was speaking to me personally. For me, when I think about sanctify, that's something that God's doing inside of us. He's sanctifying us. It's his work to make us more holy. It's his work to bring the healing. It's his work to transform our minds and to renew our hearts. That's his job. Consecrate, for me, is the part that I play in that. So then um, I was journaling with him later. So this is the last of my journal entries that I'm going to do this morning. So I asked God, I said, Papa, what does consecration mean to you? And this is a little bit heady. It's very descriptive, but it really spoke to my heart. Whining and dining, romancing. Setting apart times of engagement with a heart of pure devotion. Laying aside all distractions. And then I said, who can do this? He said, it's a green growing edge, a growth opportunity. The place where your deepest longing is fulfilled. The unspoken groaning deep in the recesses of your being. The groanings that don't even have words. I'm just going to put this down. Excuse me while I take a drink of water. That's what can happen during consecration. So for me, consecration is taking a time to just be with him. It's focusing my attention just on him. It's not putting in my coin into the God vending machine and asking for an answer. Or it's not me going into his presence and saying, I really need this God, and then hoping that he responds. It's just me wanting to press in just to be with him. I don't have a specific intent. Um, so there's three parts to me. One of them Charlie added, so thank you, Charlie. Consecration must be intentional. For me, what I have started is I intentionally go up into the prayer room and I just listen to worship music, it can have words, it can have no words, and I just quiet myself, and I just press into his presence. I focus on Jesus, and this worry may come in, or this thought could come in, and I just continue 
to lay it down. I'm intentional about spending that time with him. I'm not doing it for him to do anything for me. The next thing about consecration is um, it takes attention. So you get those thoughts that come in. You get the worry list. You get the, but I got to do this and I got to do the other. And all those things can take your mind and your heart away from just being with him. And so you have to lay those down before his feet. Say, okay, I have this worry. I'm just putting it right here, leaving it in your hands, turning my attention back on you. And then the other part about consecration is what is your intent when you go into that time? The intent of your heart, is it, like I said before, is it to uh, ask him for an answer to your question? Is it to get more holy? Is it to, I'm going to go and walk out and meet people, so I need you to open up the way? Is it, I need more of your anointing, I need more of your power? Of course we need all of those things. But if our intent when we're spending time with him is just to get something from him, then it's not that pure-hearted devotion of just being with him. All of those other things will happen. You will get more anointed. I can guarantee it. You will receive more power. He is going to work in your thoughts and transform your mind. He's going to renew your heart. For some, uh, for some people, um, a lot of inner healing can happen during those times. I know I've had some inner healing happen just by being with him without the purpose, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yay, God. <laughs> Let's go to uh, Romans 12.1 for the intent part. Romans 12.1. If you have your Bibles, you can go with me. It's a verse that most of us know, but I'm actually, when I speak, I'm going to start actually going to the Word because a lot of times I assume that we all know all the stories. And it's really hard when I'm preparing an, a message when I know all the stories, but I don't know where they are. <laughs> I could spend half an hour trying to find it. Where is that? I don't know where that is. So Romans 12.1 says... I beseech you, I beg you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now we can do that when we're serving other people. We can do it from the heart attitude of presenting ourselves as living sacrifices. When we're walking like Elaine, you go around Glendevere, right? And so you're doing it from that that place of serving God, of presenting your body as a living sacrifice. But if the intent of our heart when we go into his presence is, I'm just laying down my life. I'm just laying down my life before you. That's that place where then he comes in and he touches. The other verse I want to touch on really quick is uh, in Luke. I don't know why the Lord led me to this one, but I'm going to read it anyway. Luke 7... I'm going to start in 36. This is Jesus. Then one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster 
flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. She kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. And they argued with her. The Pharisee argued with Jesus, you know, why did you let her waste? waste? Was it just the Pharisee? Yeah. Oh, no, it was about being a sinner. So he argued, well, if you knew who she was, you wouldn't have let her do that. But she came in knowing her true condition. Our true condition is we come in as sons and daughters. If we have given our heart to Jesus, if we've asked him to forgive our sins, we know we're walking in that place with him, that we have the right to come into his presence because we're beloved ones, beloved children, and she laid down everything she had and she sacrificed her pride because Jewish women, they didn't let their hair down. She let her hair down in front of Jesus and she wiped his feet clean with her tears. She anointed her head with costly, his head with costly perfume. It cost her to do that. It costs us to spend time with him. It's a sacrifice. We present ourselves as living sacrifices in his presence. That's our intent. So uh, I just want to kind of describe what my time might be. Now, I'm going to have those times where I'm going to be asking him a question and I'm going to be journaling an answer that he may have. I'm going to listen to him. This is different. This is a time that's different than that. You could include that time in there. But my time of consecration, like I said, I go up into the prayer room. We have a house that has a prayer room. It's been set apart by Kumiko and Nozomu. That is their prayer room. We don't mess with it, but we can use it. So it's kind of an anointed place. We go up there, and I just quietly listen to worship music. I usually have headphones because my headphones keep me from getting distracted of other noises. I hear footsteps and that kind of thing. Uh, and I just, one by one, I'll lay down the things that are distracting me, and I just press in. Sometimes I'll picture Jesus in my mind. Sometimes I'll picture sitting at a campfire and stirring the flames with Jesus seated on one side or the other. And, and I don't, I'm not doing anything other than just being with him. But don't you know those icky thoughts come up <laughs> in that place? He'll show you something. Maybe he'll show you the motivation of your heart when you were spending time with that person. It wouldn't have happened if I had just kept busy with my life. But because I sat down to just be with him, I intended to just be with him, He's the one that searches our hearts. He knows the motives, motivations of our heart. So he can show those things to us in that place. If we fill up our time of being with the Lord with, I'm going to read the, this many chapters of the Bible, that's not bad. I'm not saying that's bad. Of course it's good to read the word. Of course it's good to ask questions and I need help and present your requests. Those are all good. But we can get so good and so busy doing all of that that we forget about the intimacy and the fact that he really wants 
us to know him. He already knows us. He knows everything about us. But we don't know him often. Did you know he has a really great sense of humor? Yeah, he's a funny guy. I love that about him. I love that about you, too. Yeah, you. <laughs> um, Bill Johnson shared a story recently. Um, I'm just going to recount it really quick. Uh, his wife, Benny, you know she's going through um, severe cancer right now. But in the spring, she had people build all of these beautiful, beautiful garden boxes. Many garden boxes. They have a, a big property and planted with many seeds. And then she got sick. And they have an automatic watering system. So uh, the water would come and uh, all of the seeds started to spring up. And do you know what else sprung up in those garden beds? Lot, lots of weeds, yep. And there wasn't anybody to tend the garden. So the weeds are pretty tall. They're not worried about those garden beds right now. But when you spend time with the Lord in that really deep place, the water of the Spirit comes, and he's watering the good seed that's planted. But don't you know the weeds come up too? <laughs> and that's when you can just present those weeds one by one to him. You can't heal me. I'm going to heal myself. You can't do that. It's not going to work. You can present it to him, and you can say, I'm so sorry that this was in my heart, and I didn't even know it. You present that weed to him, and he comes. He's the gardener. He tends your garden when you present your garden to him in that secret place. The same thing happens with fasting, by the way. I've always been so dang frustrated when I would try to fast, which I don't do a lot of, because it's, it always seems like it's so negative. I go into fasting with the purpose of, I'm going to get more pure, I'm going to get more holy, I'm going to be so sensitive to his voice that all he has to do is whisper, and I'll do it. Don't you know when you fast that the voice that you hear is all of your junk? <laughs> all of those weeds come up, you're trying to get more holy, and, and it really, I mean, the end of it, the end of the time, of fasting, like the end of the time of consecration, the byproduct is that you're more holy. The byproduct of fasting is that you're more sanctified and set apart, and he's been healing you more and more and more. So you can go and do and be and, and shine brightly in the you that only you are and can bring to this world. I love that this body is such an activated body. I love that you all love to serve in the places where the Lord's called you. You love to pour out your life. I love that. That makes me so happy. When I was at our old church, um, there was a time, and I know I've shared this before, but um, there was a time where I was at the back of the sanctuary, and sometimes the Lord will put this burden on your heart that really is your calling, and this burden came bursting out of me. I'm standing in the back and I'm, God, make us an effective people. And I just wept and wept and wept. And I love that abiding place is that place of effectiveness. It's people that are engaged. It's people whose hearts are set on fire. 
It's people who are going out and serving the homeless and feeding people in the pantry and praying for folks all over. We had an encounter this last week, Charlie and I, where we met the mother of the man that shot his friend just down the street at Courtesy Inn. And they had a memorial there. And we got to pray with the mother who's so broken because her son is running and now he's in the hospital in California, running away from what he had done. We got to pray with her. I love that. And I love when Holy Spirit shows up and people start weeping. That is so good. But we get the strength and the motivation and the clarity and the, the anointing and the power from those places of consecration. So that's what my word is. It's just don't abandon those times. a short word. Wow. I wrote something down. Oh, I know what it is, but I wrote down, Charlie says so. <laughs> I'm like, why, why did I write that down? <laughs> so the end result, the Lord told me that the end result, he just, he just, shared a verse with me. He shared the picture with me, actually. It's in Solomon, Song of Solomon, or Song of, uh, Song of Songs 8.5. This consecration, who is coming up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved. This has been a time of the wilderness for many of us. I say the wilderness because we're in the middle of the wild and we're not exactly sure how to navigate, right? Uh, everything's changed. The, the, the landscape, of the way that we do stuff, um, <laughs> what are the rules now? Uh, it's all changed and it's continuing to change. So once you finally get used to the way it is, then it's gonna change again. Um, Gail and I just had a conversation this morning about the new school that she's going to go back to, new because all of the, the principals changed and many of the teachers are changed and all the special ed teachers are changed and, and all of their stuff has been put away and they've got to bring it all back to get it ready for school for the kids and how are the kids going to be coming in and everybody's got to work. And you know, it's all changed and it's constantly changing. So we're in the wilderness and the, the consecration of being with him doesn't give us direction. And we're not going there for direction as much as we're going there just to be with him. And I don't know how many of you this happens to, but for me, if I'm heavy laden, if I've got worries, if I've got concerns, and I lay them down, put them in his, his hands, I don't necessarily get a direction, but this peace comes. This trust arises in my heart. It's like, it's going to be okay. I don't know how it's going to be okay. I just know it's going to be okay because my life is in his hands. And the last reason that I said Charlie said so, <laughs> it was the testimony. When we share Jesus with our friends, with our coworkers, whether we're letting our life 
be the sharing or whether we're actually using our words. My testimony to somebody else is not going to be Charlie said it was this way. He had this experience in Toronto. Let me tell you about what it means to be healed of being an orphan. I can talk about what happened to him, but it's not my testimony, it's his. If we're going to really be able to share Jesus, again, our purpose of consecration isn't so we can perform well. But our purpose of consecration is to know him so well and have that transformation happen and those times of inner healing happen and the love in our hearts get inflamed. That's the testimony that we can share. He's so good. There's a verse that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. We want to share his goodness, but I'm not going to share the goodness that somebody else has tasted. I want to share my own. So I'm recommitting myself. He said to me, I will always have this question of you. Do I have your heart? So he wasn't saying you're lacking, Lori. He, he was saying, Lori, this is something that is an ongoing thing. So if you would like to just pray that with me, consecrate your heart with me, just pray with me. Oh, Charlie has something to share before I pray. And by the way, I, I, I'm not trying to take away your, your thing for next weekend, your, your class. So this is just too, too relevant for what Lori's message is about taking time apart with the Lord and just consecrating your heart back to him. Uh, several years ago, Lori and I were in the kitchen, and she said something. And have you ever been struck with just random rage? You get angry and you're not sure why. And it's rare for me to get like that. And Lori didn't do anything wrong, but she said something. And for the first time in a long time, I actually was sort of like shaking mad. But instead of like, well, I need to get her to repent or apologize or whatever, I was like, well, okay, I'm just going to pretend it never happened. I'm going to go mow the lawn and every blade of grass is Lori. I mean, I was just like, I thought about all these different things I could do. Maybe Hagen does will heal me. And in that moment, I realized there was only one place I could go, and that was go to the Lord. So I excused myself. I went back to my bed. I put on worship music, like Lori said, with earbuds. And have you ever tried to get in God's presence when you're filled with anger, rage, anxiety? Doesn't it feel surreal? It's like, how can I even be in God's presence when I'm shaking mad, you know, over this situation? But I sat there, and it must have been 15 to 20 minutes of the world shut out, listening to worship, showing God my irrational heart and rage. And I wish he had given me the three steps to releasing rage. I'd have a book, and I'd be on, you know, TV bestseller or whatever. List. Bestseller yeah. list. But none of that. It was irrational. I just sat there in God's presence, and little by little, I felt the anger just lift off of me. And I just put, gave it to him. And then I was able to actually go back in the kitchen. It's like, Lori, you won't believe it. You said this thing. And I just went, you know, off the charts, and here's what I did. And the beautiful part was she didn't take any responsibility. She knew that I was a mess. <laughs> and, uh, but this, tying into Psalm or Isaiah 30, 15, this is Psalms 4, 4. After that experience, I read um, Psalms 4, 4. Be angry and do not sin. Are you going to get angry? Everybody. 
You can't stop. You can't help. Anger's going to come. Question is, don't sin in it. Don't attack somebody. How are you going to respond in that moment of need? It says, ponder in your own heart on your bed and be silent. I just thought, God, that's exactly what I did. I took my pain. I took my anger. I got quiet with the Lord. And the Lord, I don't know how, lifted that anger and that rage off of me. That's part of the practical side of what Lori's talking about, about consecrating our hearts, going and being with him, showing him the pain. I didn't go to even Mm -hmm. get that, but that was a byproduct of just being with him when you're in a good place, but learning to be with him when you're in a bad place is just as important. That's right. That's right. Hey, thank you. Okay. She's Mm -hmm. agreeing with me. That was in my notes and I skipped over. What? <laughs> no. Oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Please continue. <laughs> oh, we we're getting ready to pray. Uh, I, I would say I just agree with what Charlie is saying that I'm not saying that you go in and you don't have any thoughts in your head. You go in no matter what you're feeling because he's a good father. He's better than we are <laughs> as parents. Yeah. And he knows exactly what we need. And he's just asking us to be real with him so he can be real with us. So if you want to pray with me this morning, you're welcome to pray with me. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or anything. So Father, we come here now and we show you our hearts and we show you those places that we know aren't of you, that aren't godly. You know our hearts and you know our thoughts even better than we know ourselves. But Lord, right now we just intentionally choose to spend time with you on a regular basis to press into your presence so that we can learn to know you as you know us, so that we can taste and see how good you are. So that we can have our own personal testimony to share with the world of what you've done in our hearts. Father, we will go in with the pure intention of just spending time with you. But we ask you to come and meet with us in that place and stir our hearts, let our weeds grow so that they can be weeded by you, our gardener. (laughs) And we thank you that you're real. We thank you that you're purposeful. We thank you that you're good. And we say thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a marvelous day.